This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Nicole Claggett and Cooper Linton, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you. I am Jason Kong, and we do this show every weekend. We do this because we want to be a resource for caregivers because you're either a caregiver now, you will be in the future, or you have been, or you're going to be on the receiving end of caregiving. And we're here to be a helpful resource to make the best of those options for you. And boy, this would be a really bad show if it were just me. So we need the experts in here. We've got Cooper Linton with Transitions Life Care. How are you, Cooper? I'm doing well this evening, Jason. Thank you. Excellent. And we've also got Nicole Cleggett with Transitions Guiding Lights. Good evening, Nicole. Way to represent the last name. Good I job. I know, I know. I'm you finally, did it this week. It's only taken about a month, but it's okay. I'm, I'm getting into right. a rhythm Has here. Has been that long already, huh? Yeah, well, who's counting? Who's <laughs> I don't counting? know. Apparently you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always keeping track of things like that. Well, Cooper, we've got uh, uh, some great guests here in the studio here, and I'll let you introduce them. And sounds like we're going to be talking a lot about Alzheimer's tonight. We are. I think this is a disease that is often misunderstood. Uh, The word itself, um, frankly, is fear-inducing for probably some of our listeners. Uh, And we want to talk about what are the issues facing us with respect to this particular disease? What are some resources out there we can use? And so uh, we're very privileged to have Peggy Best, who's the Director of Programs and Outreach, well, with the Alzheimer's Association, and also Jennifer Briand, who's the manager of special events. So welcome to the show, Jennifer, Peggy, thank you. Thank you, Cooper. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you so much for having us. Could you start with, what is the Alzheimer's Association? I think people think they know what it is, but let's be sure folks know what it is. The Alzheimer's Association is the largest nonprofit voluntary health organization dedicated to curing Alzheimer's disease. It began in the early 1980s, so compared to a lot of the other uh, larger VHOs, uh, American Cancer Society, American Heart, it's very- VHO? I'm sorry. Voluntary Health Organization. Okay, gotcha. Sorry. No, it's quite all right. I just think we, we live in a world of acronyms. Yeah, we do. Um, so compared to those other large organizations, we're relatively young, so we've done uh, quite a bit over the last 30, 40 years in terms of providing care and support, research- and uh, support services around the communities for Alzheimer's disease. Um, It was started uh, by a caregiver, so at the heart of the Alzheimer's Association really is caregiving. I think that's very appropriate given the massive impact that this particular disease has on caregivers. Um, What is your local presence like? We are part of a local chapter uh, based in Raleigh. There are 78 chapters nationwide, and our chapter is from Raleigh to the coast, so we cover the 51 counties, um, as I mentioned, from Raleigh to the Outer Banks, to Wilmington, to New Bern, and we are a small but mighty team. We have seven people in our office. Small but mighty, I like small that. Small but mighty. We spend a lot of time on the road. We visit a lot of the outlying communities, and um, we do a lot. Peggy uh, manages our education programs, our support groups. There's a lot of local research happening throughout our chapter. We have six major walk to Alzheimer's events, The Longest Day, um, and other constituent-based events. So we're doing a lot. We're very busy. So in a little bit, I'd like to get into some of what those resources are, some of the support groups, the types of education. 
that are out there. But, but I wanted to uh, to start off with a discussion of something uh, that scared me a little bit. Uh, I got an email from the Alzheimer's Association about three weeks ago, I think, two weeks ago. And it said it had updated facts and figures. And I think most of us start to hear statistics and we begin to doze off a little bit. Uh, I read these and I didn't doze off a bit. Uh, there were some facts that came out in the annual report from the Alzheimer's Association that were startling. Uh, to me, one of them is that we're seeing a 123% increase uh, in Alzheimer's since 2000. From 2000 to 2015, 123% increase. Is that right? It's 123% of deaths. Uh, that have occurred from Alzheimer's between 2000 and 2015. So the deaths have gone up. They've more than Mm -hmm. doubled. They sure have. They've increased by 123%, while the number of deaths from other major diseases have decreased. And we're seeing things like heart disease go down. We're seeing our ability to manage cancer uh, in a more chronic way as opposed to it being a terminal disease as the way we used to think of cancer. Why is Alzheimer's not going the same way as everything else? We're driving, we're driving the terminality, if you will, of certain diseases down, and yet Alzheimer's has doubled, more than doubled. Well, Alzheimer's um, is the only disease among the top ten diseases that um, of death in America that cannot be prevented or slowed or cured at this time. And the cost is astronomical, um, what it will be to not only North Carolina residents, but also what it will be to uh, the U.S. at large. As of 2018, the cost of care right now is $277 billion is what it's valued, and that's expected to increase to $1.1 trillion by 2050. So it's the cost of care. Well, and I think you know, some of these statistics, uh, I think we're doing a better job of actually reporting Alzheimer's deaths. So while it may be rather alarming, and yes, part of it, I think, probably is the fact that our population is getting older and we're all living longer. But now, instead of saying that somebody just died from pneumonia, it might have been the pneumonia that was caused because the person wasn't able to swallow because of the Alzheimer's disease. So I think we're doing a better job of recognizing what the root cause of the death was, not necessarily, you know, just the, the end disease that actually ultimately took the person's life. Would you agree? Absolutely. And to that point as well, I mean, we I, I talked a little bit earlier about just um, other nonprofit organizations dedicated to research uh, focusing on cancer and other diseases, heart disease. And the amount of money that goes towards Alzheimer's research is a drop in the bucket compared to the money that's dedicated from the NIH to cancer. So over the next few years, I mean, the Alzheimer's Association has done a really great job. Our advocates have done a really great job increasing that number by millions and millions of dollars. We're at almost $2 billion a year in funding for Alzheimer's disease. And I believe that number is 10 in order to change the trajectory of the disease. I'm going to look to my pal Peggy to confirm. (laughs) I think it's 10. I think you're right. Yeah. So we still have a lot of work to do. So we're not going to see a difference made in Alzheimer's disease until we get that research funding up. And I did just see, I don't know if you all know anything about this, but that Bill Gates is going to be giving a significant donation towards Alzheimer's research Mm -hmm. of like, what I think it was made the media over $200 million. So that was, I think folks are starting to realize, you know, as it's starting to hit closer to home, the folks that are the decision makers as to where money goes, Mm -hmm. they're starting to recognize, you know, we need to throw some money at this, if not, you know, for our parents, but to preserve our own lives. Exactly. 
And we're, we're very excited that uh, included in this year's budget nationally uh, was an additional $414 million to go to the National Institute of Health to continue the research that we need so desperately. I think part of what's driving this is the fear of long-term care around Alzheimer's. You know, if we're if you're if you reach an age that you have a major heart disease issue, a pulmonary issue, uh, even a, a different form of neurological issue, and you may be dealing with long-term care for the next two years, three years, four years, that's the sort of planning financially that many families can adjust to. When you're looking at the lengths of uh, time that people are living with Alzheimer's at eight years, 10 years, 12 years, and sometimes longer, financially, it's devastating. Very few people can save enough in their working years to handle those kinds of costs for that amount of time. I think that's scaring everybody a little bit. Uh, And so in a a moment, I want us to to come back and also look at what are some of the resources out there, because the intention of the show is not to scare everybody to listening to a different channel, uh, but is really to understand that, yes, this is worthy of attention and time. And there are things maybe we can't do to prevent the disease, but there are things we can do to help caregivers in the support of this and help our family members who have it. We'll dive into some of those resources in just a bit. We've got Peggy Best and Jennifer Briand here in the studio with Alzheimer's Association, and we will continue our conversation right after this break. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights and Cooper Linton from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett and Cooper Linton, and uh, our guests this evening are Peggy Best and Jennifer Brion with Alzheimer's Association. And uh, we we left off uh, wanting to talk a little bit, Cooper, about uh, maybe some resources available to people who either need to find out more information about Alzheimer's or who are, who are dealing with it uh, in a caregiver situation and, and need some help. I think when we think about Alzheimer's, there's two things I believe typically come to people's minds. One is uh, they, they recognize various forms of dementia that sometimes just get clumped together as Alzheimer's. And I think it might be helpful in a few minutes to kind of talk about uh, teasing out some of those diagnoses from the traditional idea of Alzheimer's. But the second piece is really the enormous weight that it can have on caregiving. And um, the newest statistics that you guys sent out showed that there are over 460,000 caregivers in North Carolina who are dealing with the weight of of Alzheimer's disease, who are taking care of someone, and then that's translating into 531 million mm-hmm. unpaid hours of caregiving. And that was, that was interesting to me that it was unpaid versus the time that someone's spending in a facility when there's paid care, there's 24-hour staff. This obviously has an, a massive caregiver burden to it. What does that look like, and what can people do to get help? Well, and if you placed a value on those millions of hours of unpaid care, it comes to about like $6.7 billion if you placed a value to it. And That's billion with a B? Billion with a B. Wow. 
and 279 or 297 million are what is estimated at the higher health costs for caregivers. And so it's astronomical what's going to happen, you know, with caregivers who sometimes suffer from the side effects more so than the person with the dementia because of the stress and depression that may be associated with being a caregiver. And I would also suspect, you know, if we kind of back up a little bit mm-hmm. further, you know, the the economic impact to the workforce as well, right? Yes. Because we all know that caregiving, no matter how we slice it, bleeds into work. And a mm-hmm. lot of these family caregivers are maintaining a full-time job. Perhaps they have their own children at home or they're helping with the grandchildren. And then they're also a family caregiver on top of that. I mean, I'm working with a long-distance family caregiver now who is literally driving from Asheville to Raleigh every single week, and on her way home, she's still got to go to work. And so, and, and constantly dismissing work time. And so it's a huge stress, you know, and then it also, the employer is trying to be sensitive, but the reality is if your employee isn't at work, no matter how nice you're being, it's impacting your ability for your company exactly. to, to move forward. Exactly. I agree. So part of what you know what we do at the Alzheimer's Association, you know, and I and uh, our staff laughs at me because I don't mind telling people the Alzheimer's Association can't do it all. If we didn't have partners in the community such as Transitions Life Care and such as Transitions Guiding Lights, along with area agencies on aging, we need to partner together. And one of the things that I tell people is, you know, the chapter included, when it gets five o'clock on Friday, we all go home. However, Alzheimer's and related disorders doesn't shut off at five o'clock. It continues afterwards over holidays and weekends. It may get worse. Exactly. Exactly. So some of the resources that we provide, our most requested resource, our best resource has been the 24-7 helpline. It's at 1-800-272-3900. Could you repeat that, please? Yes, it's 1-800-272-3900. You know, and I'm just going to put this out there because, you know, we like to talk about the elephant in the room sometimes. And I think some of the feedback that I've gotten from folks at times is that, well, I don't want to call an 800 helpline. I'll be talking to people overseas or it doesn't seem as personal because they don't know my community. Talk to me a little bit about how that helpline works and why that is a potential solution for a family caregiver. Sure. So someone can call the helpline anytime, day or night, and a general information specialist may answer the phone. And what we have found that sometimes if a person calls, they say, I just need to get a list of support groups. Probably 95% of the time, that is not all that they need. And so our staff is trained to say, well, they may answer the phone and said, okay, and what is your name? Are you a caregiver? And usually the floodgates open. If the person presents that they're in crisis or maybe the person with dementia is wandering or they are getting ready to jump off of a ledge somewhere because they can't deal with it, they are immediately transferred to our care consultants and they're all master's level trained clinicians. The way that works from the 800 number with the 78 chapters nationwide, one of the things that we provide is long distance caregiving from state to state where we have chapters. So if somebody in North Carolina is a caregiver for someone in California, we can hook them up with the resources that are available through the chapters in North Carol in California. 
But what we do is I run a daily report every day that says, here are the calls that came in from Eastern North Carolina, and chapter, here are the people that you need to follow up with. Primarily, I follow up with APS calls that have been made. APS is Adult Protective Services. Adult Protective Services, or someone says, they may call the 800 number and said, I really would prefer to speak to someone at the local chapter. They will let us know. It's just to provide that continuity of care so they don't feel like they're left and all alone. Because in the grand scheme of things, the caregiver's full day, their eight-hour, no, let's just back that up. Their 36-hour day Uh is spent being a caregiver. And so as Nicole, I've been working with long-distance caregivers. Recently, I've worked with a couple of people who have been diagnosed with Alzheimer's that are in their 50s. And that's a whole different ball game set of resources not everybody's 75 not everybody's 80 when this comes on you are exactly right earlier onset and that has a totally different trajectory for the patient yeah but absolutely for the family yes nobody's ready to handle this in a 50 year old exactly and sometimes if we uh we have an internal database so if someone calls the 800 number and they look it's all driven by zip code so if they're looking for a support group or something like that they can pull that information up If there's information they don't have, then the chapter follows up, and that's when we provide resources within the community that we're aware of. So we need the resources in our community. One of the things that I really like about the Alzheimer's Association is that you also have online support groups. You know, I've recently become involved with moderating an online social media type group for just general family caregiving, and we provide resources and support each other, and I moderate that. And the reality of it is, for some caregivers, that's really the only outlet they have yeah. because they don't have time. You know, it would just be this huge monumental effort to, to find somebody to coordinate the care for their loved ones so they could get out to that hour support group. And, and so I know that you do offer a, something online mm-hmm. related to that. And what I like about that, and you can explain a little bit more, that it's monitored. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, if somebody is presenting in crisis at two in the morning, yeah. they can get some help. Yes. Uh, what you're talking about is our second best resource it's called Alls Connected. It's uh, it's kind of like a blog. So you create a profile, you log in, you can read the different forums that are there. Uh, you can't respond or post anything unless you sign up. But it has been a great resource. Like one of the caregiver forums may be, I have Alzheimer's. Um, but they're able to log in and look for resources and information there. And it is monitored. It is not a place to go and sell product. And people are mindful of the fact that, you know, it's okay to be angry, but Mm -hmm. not at the risk of hurting other people. Exactly. And to your point, you know, the the website in itself is this humongous, amazing resource. But on the other side, you don't get overwhelmed by it because it's extremely intuitive. It's very easy to search for what you need. And I think that's super beneficial to family caregivers. One of the things that I often, you know, give uh, caregivers pause about is you search Alzheimer's online, you'll get millions upon millions of potential page results on Google. And you have to be really careful with what you read and what you take as sort of, quote, gospel, mm-hmm. because, you know, one caregiver's experience was their experience, and a lot of them get so moved by their experience, they talk about what they did for their loved one, but that may or may not be what's best for your exactly. loved one. Exactly. It's like you've probably heard this, you and Cooper. When you've met one person with Alzheimer's, you've met one person with Alzheimer's. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Our guests this evening are Peggy Best and Jennifer Brion with Alzheimer's Association. And I want to repeat that uh, 
uh, web address as well for uh, ALS Connected. That's alzconnected.org if you wanted to log on and t- make use of that resource. Also, that 24 helpline that we mentioned is one 800 And again, that's available uh, 24 hours a day, and we'll repeat that number later again in the program. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Claygate from Transitions Guiding Lights and Cooper Linton from Transitions Life Care, here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care, and you can find more about them at transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong and Nicole Claggett and Cooper Linton here this evening on News Radio 680 WPTF. And our guests this evening are Peggy Best and Jennifer Brion, and they're with the Alzheimer's Association, and we're, uh, we've talked a lot about it. And if you missed any part of the program so far, I want to encourage you to go to WPTF.com and head over to the Aging Matters section. And you can find this full program as well as all the other programs that we have done. And Cooper, uh, we've talked about some resources available to people. And uh, we want to kind of hone in on the community here and some events that are going on or may have just happened uh, and let people know about uh, what a great resource the Alzheimer's Association is. There's a lot going on at the local level, and we did talk about some of the online support. Uh, we've talked about the uh, the toll-free number where people can call and get help 24-7. But Peggy, if somebody wants things that are a little closer to home, they want to have that human engagement, what is available here? What types of educational programs are there? What types of in-person support groups are available? Um, and how and how do they access this? Well, we list all of our support groups on our public website, and uh, we have Alzheimer's sponsored support groups. We have community sponsored support groups that people can find, and we try to list the ones in our fifty one county region area that we cover. But the uh, education we provide, we can provide in person. Um, they're one hour modules. They were just enough, like for instance, the basics of Alzheimer's dementia conversations, one uh, about communication strategies and behaviors, which are our most requested education programs that are available in person. Um, people seem to like to hear from people that have that connection that understand that. We've been very fortunate recently that we've been able to go into some of the community colleges and bring these education pieces into the CNA programs and with nursing students as well because they find it's a great addition because they said there's like one paragraph on aging and even less on Alzheimer's and other related disorders. So it's a, it's a massive caregiver issue. It's mm-hmm. going to be a massive paid caregiver as well as the unpaid. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that there's additional training going in to help prepare the next wave of paid caregivers that are coming out because they're going to be dealing with patients that are totally unlike what they were trained to deal with 10 years ago. Exactly, exactly. So I'm super excited to, to know that you all are really expanding your research symposium this year. And I would love for you to take the opportunity to let the listeners know what exactly that is, what it looks like, and when is it? Thank you so much. So this year's uh, research symposium, we hold it annually every year. We have for the last three years, I believe. It's called Accelerating the Pace. And this year, we're looking at clinical strategies, research advances, and advocacy efforts in dementia. It will be Friday, June the 8th in Cary mm-hmm. at 111 Place, 
111 Realtors Way in Cary. <laughs> and we are excited to have none other than Cooper Linton, who's going to be presenting and is going to be our moderator for the day. Dr. Keith Fargo, who's the Director of Scientific Programs and Outreach at our national office, will be coming in to talk. Um, we have local neurologist Dr. James Burke with Duke Neurology, who is going to talk about what do we know, what do we think we know, and the challenges that confront us in developing disease-modifying therapies. Dr. Grace Byfield, who is a professor of biology at Coach in Greensboro, which is the Center for Outreach on Alzheimer's Aging in the Community. And then Scott Herrick, our North Carolina State Public Policy Director, will be talking about what we are doing on a state and a, and a national level to advance the Alzheimer's cause. And then um, we just recently went and did a tour of the Brody School of Medicine Alzheimer's Research Lab mm -hmm. there. And Dr. Byron, Byron Aguilar will be coming to speak about his research that he is also doing. And he recently was a recipient of a two-year $140,000 grant from the Alzheimer's Association. But we wanted to focus on the clinical strategies as well as advocacy efforts. And one thing I mm -hmm. would like to talk about just briefly that sure. Dr. Fargo will be talking about, beginning in June of this year, the Alzheimer's Association has um, um, donated $20 million into what is called the U.S. Pointer Study. It is the largest um, U.S.-based study that is going to look at combining physical activity, healthy nutrition, social and intellectual challenges, and self-management of medical conditions and if these can protect cognitive function in older adults to help decrease who are at risk for cognitive decline um, it will be spearheaded out of the wake forest hospital in winston-salem and two of the researchers there are the lead investigators they will be recruiting 2500 participants between the ages of 60 and 79 it will be a two-year study and it's just looking at lifestyle intervention. Well, and I think that's great because I think a lot of times people feel really helpless that it's just going to be something that's going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's great, you know, to be able to participate in something while you're healthy to see, you know, perhaps some lifestyle changes could potentially make it so that I may have less of a risk for developing Alzheimer's mm -hmm. disease. And I think the symposium is wonderful as well because, you know, we do a lot of training through our caregiver summits, which we'll talk about a little bit more later, to give, you know, the caregivers the nuts and bolts and how to provide care for loved ones with diseases such as Alzheimer's. But this area in particular, I think, is extremely hungry for really a lot of that research research knowledge. And I think part of that is because we're in such a very medical mm -hmm. space here in the Research Triangle Park area. So I think providing this information for both the family and professionals is absolutely wonderful for folks to really understand what's on the cutting edge and, and what's coming up in the future. I agree. And it's important for people in North Carolina to understand the great research that's being done in our own backyard. Well, I think it's awesome that you. this was, in, in the past, a couple-hour event mm -hmm. in the evening, and it's really turned into a full-day educational program exactly. where there's research, there's information for the lay caregiver, uh, there's public policy uh, components of this. It's really a, a great undertaking that you're, you're, you're doing and putting on in our community, so thank you, and I'm privileged thank to be you. part of that. Thank so, you. So, thank you. We have talked earlier on about the longest day. What, what is the longest day? So the longest day is based around the summer solstice, which takes place on June 21st. And what makes Accelerate the Pace really wonderful this year as well, as well as the longest day, is that it takes place during Alzheimer's and Brain Awareness Month, which is in June. 
So the longest day is the Alzheimer's Association's second signature fundraising event. Our uh, largest is obviously the Walk to End Alzheimer's. And the longest day is um, kind of our number two. So basically, it is a do-it-yourself type event. You, it honors caregivers, it's about caregivers, because every day is the longest day for somebody who's a caregiver. So we encourage people to do what they love, raise some money, um, it's interactive, it's online. You can do something out in California, you can do something out in Idaho, and you can all be a part of the same team because it's all interactive. So you're saying do something. Give some examples of what people do. Yeah, so um, I always like to give my example. Um, my grandmother passed away from dementia. She loved to dance. So if I were to create an event for the longest day, I would do something um, like a dance-a-thon. People ride their bike, they run, they walk, they swim, they knit. Um, and they kind of, like I said, tailor that event around something special that their loved one does. Awesome. So what else do you have going on? Well, we just recently, on March 22nd, went down to the Legislative Plaza. 75 advocates in North Carolina joined us from the Eastern and Western chapter. Our sister chapter covers everything to the mountains. And we had our annual State Advocacy Day at the Legislative Plaza with a focus, you know, Cooper, you and I had this conversation the other day. We know that Alzheimer's and related disorders are a public health crisis and a public health issue. Absolutely, they are. But we need to get people to recognize it as a public health issue. And do something about it. Exactly. So some of the things that our advocates were down meeting with legislators that they could meet with at the time was, you know, for increased funding for caregivers through a respite funding program here in North Carolina like Project Care. But also, we are strongly advocating that the training and education for CNAs in long-term care and skilled facilities for anybody that works with a person with dementia is going to increase their, they need the training, ongoing training to increase their skills because of some of the stories that are coming back. And legislators are very interested in hearing that. And so the other thing that we're working on is the building our largest dementia. It's called Bold Infrastructure uh, for the Alzheimer's Act. And uh, this would just provide a crucial investment by establishing Alzheimer's centers of excellence across the country country, and funding tribal and public and state and county public health departments. Peggy Best and Jennifer Briand with the Alzheimer's Association. Thank you both so much for joining us this evening. Want to remind everyone that 24-hour helpline, if you need to make use of it, is 1-800-272-3900. That's 1-800-272-3900. Zero zero. You can also go online to alzconnected.org, alzconnected.org. A quick break and back. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF with your co-hosts, Nicole Claggett and Cooper Linton. Here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett and Cooper Linton. And uh, I feel like I need to sound off some sort of siren or uh, maybe fire off some sort of cannon because Caregiver Summits, it's that time. It's a round of applause we need. Oh. Cue up the round of applause. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I wish I had a sound effects machine in here. Hopefully, we don't work kind of yeah. doing it our own on the. That's right. <laughs> 
They sure are coming up. So we just literally opened registration for the upcoming four caregiver summits. But the one I want to focus on today a little bit is the very first caregiver summit, which is going to be on June the 14th at the Sheraton Imperial. Now, this is a new location for us. Uh, Previously, we had held these summits in another location in Durham, but we have sort of outgrown that space and we had a need for ample parking. And so the Sheraton Imperial has been so wonderful to work with us over there in RTP uh, to provide us an amazing venue for the event. For those of you that may not be familiar with that location, it's uh, located just off of Page Road. So it has a Durham address, but it's right smack in the middle of Research Triangle Park. It's easily accessible mm-hmm. off of 40 and off of 540. No matter where you're coming from, really. You can get – it is really smack dab in the middle of uh, the, the the large population here in the Triangle. Definitely. And this is actually our 10-year anniversary. Can wow. you believe it? That's I know, incredible. I know I've got the grades to prove it. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th- I think it's testimony to the number of caregivers that are out there, mm-hmm. uh, the value that they have found in these events. And they've actually driven, the caregivers who've attended in the past have driven the value by saying to us, we want more of this. We want less of something else. Mm-hmm. We want different types of material and told us what it was. And every year we try and retool the content to meet the needs of the caregivers. Yeah, Cooper's got a great point there. You know, it's just not us sitting here, you know, guessing what we think caregivers want and don't want. We take the evaluations that we receive at the end of every single summit extremely seriously. We look at who attends what sessions and we listen to what the caregivers say they wish we had more of. And so some years there may be some very similar uh, type themes that we have going on, but then we usually try to shake things up a bit and, and add something that we really feel the caregivers would appreciate. So we are super excited about about our agenda this year for sure in the past we've had two caregiver events that were separated by a week Mm -hmm. and the content was really the same from one event to the next this year it is different yes all four summits are different we've actually separated all four summits out to give caregivers offerings spread out more throughout the year so uh, instead of holding two really triangle focused summits in june we have one in june uh, in uh, durham and then we actually moved the raleigh summit which historically had been in june to october People asked, could we do these at different times of the year? The answer is yes, we can, and they've now been spread out. Uh, We've moved them to uh, the Durham one in particular to a different location to make parking easier for those people who have issues with mobility. Uh, We felt that that was critical. Uh, and we have a greater diversity of classes than we ever have before. So it's a kind of a fresh look to something that's in, in its 10-year anniversary. Definitely. And, you know, the cost for us putting on these summits, it, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. And so we are really super excited this year. We were able to actually attract the attention of AARP, and they have actually agreed to be an underwriting sponsor of our summits this year. And we've also uh, gotten support from two presenting sponsors, Lifelinks and also Clarity Legal Group. And because of those three groups right off the bat, right from the beginning, we've been able to maintain the same cost that we were able to charge caregivers last year. So it's very nominal fee of $15 for caregivers to attend. Uh, We offer off-site respite that day that folks can arrange for an event in advance. So if it's difficult for you to coordinate uh, the ability to come because you're caring for a loved one, which makes a lot of sense, that's probably why you would attend, you would arrange for adult daycare services. And we have all that information actually on our website for folks to to connect with so the question keeps coming up how do you do this for 15 dollars? and nicole absolutely nailed it it is 
the sponsors. That's the underwriting sponsors. So you have AARP, Clarity Legal, LifeLinks. But you also have the people who have vendor tables there. Mm -hmm. And that serves two purposes. One, it helps pay for the event. But more relevantly for the caregivers, it we end up with a room full of resources that you can come there and in the course of one hour be able to talk to more organizations that are able to help you in your caregiving journey than you might could in the rest of the year trying to schedule things. And, you know, Jason, I know last year was the very first year you'd ever attended a caregiver summit. Um, you came and, and came to check it out since we talked so much about it at uh, on the on the radio. Talk to us a little bit about what you saw, because, you know, we're sitting here, you know, the ones that are planning it, but you were there with totally fresh eyes. Yeah, it was it was incredible. You know, we, we talk about it here on the air and the, the image that I actually saw there from what was in my head was was completely different. You know, I, I was expecting something a little bit more smaller and intimate, but I mean, <laughs> if you thought of uh, basically any sort of caregiver situation or any sort of resource or uh, health professional that you might be interested in talking with or category, it was it was there. We tried. It was there. <laughs> uh, it was just very well represented, and and the people there. I, that's the part that stuck with me the most. Um, the amount of people who had been to previous caregiver summits and who came back because they found it as uh, such a tremendous resource. And again, you know, you you've only got four of these for the year, and mm -hmm. you've got everything in there in one place where you can uh, talk to professionals, which, as you said, would just take a, a tremendous amount of time and probably money uh, if, if you were trying to do that all on your own. So uh, it's it, it was a great experience, and I'll, I'll be back at the events this year because uh, it, it's just great to see it. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that things have been spread out a little bit more and mm -hmm. um, the way that uh, the, the content is set up, that if you wanted to attend two or, or three and you didn't maybe want to knock it all out in one day and you wanted to spread it out, mm -hmm. you had that option this year. Well, yeah, and especially because the content is different. We mm -hmm. really wanted to really kind of create a series of events that would really help a caregiver no matter what their what their caregiving related issue is. And so that's an important thing. You know, we just did a show on Alzheimer's disease and mm -hmm. Um, while we do have some sessions that are specific to Alzheimer's and dementia, just mainly because 50% of the people over the age of 85 have some sort of a dementia diagnosis. We also have other sessions that are for folks that have other disease diagnoses and also um, just general caregiving support information or even things like the business of caregiving, really how to financially handle this, how to handle the estate, how to handle, um, you know, medications or falls risks. So, you know, regardless of what your loved one's diagnosis is, we find based on our evaluations that caregivers find this very valuable. When we interviewed caregivers, one of the key things we heard from them was how much they valued being in a place where they were with like-minded folks. You know, they were no longer alone. And so much of what happens with caregiving, particular, particularly in the home environment, is you are taking care of someone, but that process can be isolating. Mm -hmm. And caregivers talked about how valuable it was to hear from other caregivers, to have lunch with other caregivers, uh, just to have small talk in the hallways between between classes or in the vendor room for them to recognize that there's a community of caregivers and that they get together multiple times during the year for these events. Uh, and, and they found emotional value in that. 
So if folks want to register for this summit, it's they go to online to caregiverssummit.org, and you can go ahead and register for one or all four of these. But I know we're kind of running short on time, and we also have another pretty amazing event coming up that I want to make sure that we touch on as and well. And it's a little sooner, Nicole. It uh, is. It is April 14th. Right around the corner. It is right around the corner. It is April 14th. It is the uh, Advanced Directives event that transitions life care. Uh, is hosting on our campus at 250 Hospice Circle. Uh, We're going to encourage you to go online to transitionslifecare.org and click on the calendar of events and register for that. There's an 11 o'clock session and a 1230 session on Saturday the 14th, and we will help you execute your advanced directives, understand what they are. We'll have the documents there, the attorneys there, notary publics there. You can even leave with copies. We're going to have refreshments. Uh, We have one of our own physicians, uh, Dr. Christopher Thompson, who's going to be there to address medical questions. It's been done in conjunction with the North Carolina Bar Association and the North Carolina Center for Compassionate Care. So we are privileged to host that on April 14th. But there's more. Folks listening can come and wish you a very happy birthday that day. Oh, that is true. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to spend my birthday doing advanced directives. I'm a little passionate about this issue. So The greatest gift of all, right? <laughs> he certainly is. <laughs> Again, transitionslifecare.org. Head over to the calendar of events section if you are interested in attending the advanced directives event. And also, if you're interested in registering for the Caregiver Summits, uh, caregiversummit.org, caregiversummit.org. Org, yes, I got that you right. You got it. You I, are I, okay. I scared myself for a second. <laughs> did I say the right thing? Well, luckily, I did. Well, we're just about out of time. Thank you so much for joining us this evening on Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you. I want to remind you that you can always go to transitionslifecare.org for more information. We'll be back next week. Thanks so much for listening. This is News Radio 680 WPTF. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. For more information, log on transitionslifecare.org.